Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. doesn't recognize his need of grace. Now, isn't that puzzling? Here, he's in the Word all the time, but he doesn't recognize the incarnate Word. Here, he's studying about the God of Scripture, and here, the God of Heaven is dining in his house, but he doesn't recognize God. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see You're changing our lives, so we can be our hands and feet In Luke 7, Jesus dines with a religious man named Simon. When a sinful woman comes in to worship at the Lord's feet, Simon is repulsed by her very presence. Pastor Ed teaches us today that Simon did not recognize his need like the woman did. The most dangerous thing about religiosity is that it tricks man into trusting in his own righteousness. However, all men, including religious Simon, need God's grace. Those that understand how much we've been forgiven passionately worship Jesus in deep gratitude, just as the woman did. Now here's Pastor Ed with part one of today's message entitled, Living in the Light of Amazing Grace. It's been my observation that in many cases, the worst sinners make the best saints. That's true. Saul of Tarsus, breathing out threatenings towards the church, persecuting the church, is converted on the Damascus Road and becomes the great apostle Paul. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1.15, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. St. Francis understood this too. For he said, there is nowhere a more wretched and miserable sinner than I. Were they just using religious language? Or do they really feel that? I think it's the latter. They really felt that. Because when a person knows their heart, their frailties, their weaknesses, their capabilities, they see themselves as the worst of sinners. When we become disengaged with our heart, our sinful heart, and fail to know who we really are, we lose that sense of sinfulness. John Newton wrote that beautiful hymn that we sing, Amazing Grace. He was, as a child, born to a a mother of faith and she prayed that he would become a minister one day but she died early in his life and at 11 years of age he went to sea he became captain of a ship and eventually involved in slave trade in Africa and later in his life 
in a crisis at sea, he was saved. He accepted Christ in that moment of crisis during that storm. And years later, that began his spiritual journey. Years later, he went through several other crises that brought him to a greater commitment to God, so much so that he decided to enter the ministry. He wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace. He was a catalyst to encourage William Wilberforce as he fought against slavery in England. Now, remember the words of John Newton, amazing grace that saved a wretch like me? He died at 83 years of age. Shortly before his death, he was still preaching in the pulpit. And he said this to his congregation, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things that I'm a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. We forget at times that simple but basic and essential truth. We are great sinners and we need a great Savior. Guess who's coming to dinner? Jesus. Jesus is invited to a a dinner by a Pharisee by the name of Simon, dining with Jesus. In verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. What a powerful verse. That's found in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Jesus looks for the lost even when they're in the Father's house or outside the Father's house. Remember the prodigal son? The prodigal son left the father's house. But the elder brother remained in the house. But the elder brother never connected truly with the father. He was lost in the father's house. The elder brother is like the religious leaders in Israel. Simon was a good man. He was. In all probability, he grew up in a religious home. Maybe his father was a Pharisee and his grandfather before him. And so he grew up knowing the Bible with all of those benefits of knowing the word. As Simon grew up, he felt the call vocationally to enter into the ministry and to be a religious leader. Here he is, meticulously keeping the law following the word, studying the scriptures. But yet, something missing, something vital, something really important. It can happen. He forgot that he was a a sinner. Now, mind you, he was a respectable sinner. In verse 36... It says, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house, reclined at his table. Here Jesus is, he takes this invitation, and he is there to seek and to save the lost, even when the lost don't look lost. Even when the lost look very religious. But what happened in Simon's life, he's in the right religion, He is 
under the covenant of Yahweh. He's one of the covenant people of God. He's in the right place. But yet, Simon is missing something very vital in his life. What happened in Simon's life? Now, have you ever come face to face with a godly, godly person? I mean, they're sold out completely to God. They're walking in the power of the Spirit. When you meet people who are so committed and so sold out to God, it does something to you. Jesus, he had healed the blind, cured leprosy, stopped the funeral, raised a dead child. In the midst of all of that, his name and his reputation has spread through all that region. Simon wants to have this itinerant preacher, Jesus, at his house. I mean, Jesus is an item in the presence of the sinless Lamb of God, Jesus. Simon doesn't sense his sinfulness. He doesn't recognize his need of grace. Now, isn't that puzzling? Here, he's in the word all the time, but he doesn't recognize the incarnate word. Here, he's studying about the God of Scripture, and here, the God of heaven is dining in his house, but he doesn't recognize God. He doesn't recognize even his sinfulness. How? Does that happen? How could someone be in the house of God, in the presence of God, and yet fail to see their need of God's grace and forgiveness? I think it happens in several ways. I think what happens is people begin to look at the things that they've done. Oh, I give to the church I attend church. I, I, I serve in the community. Or I do this or I do that. And they begin to think about everything they do. And as, as they pile on those bricks, they're building a tower. And they see themselves in relationship to God by the, on the basis of what they've done. Simon. He was a student. He was religious. He didn't do all the sinful things that this woman at his house is going to do. But yet, he was a sinner as much as she was. Yes, a different type of sinner. And Simon would have to learn that. Simon would have to understand that, that there are respectable sins. In fact, Simon was more accountable than this woman was because, well, he knew the word and he taught the word. Well, Simon failed to see his need of repentance and he missed God's purpose in his life. That's right in the scripture. In Luke 7, 29 to 30, it says, Now all the people who heard this, and this is, a, this is about Jesus and John the Baptist, even the tax collectors acknowledged God's justice because they had been baptized with John's baptism. However, the Pharisees and the experts in religious law rejected God's 
purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Wow! You know, it didn't look good. Here John the Baptist is out in the wilderness telling everybody they're sinners. I mean, John's not polished. John hasn't gone to all the educational institutions that these religious leaders went to. Uh, John is just dressed in camel's hair and, and eating locusts and wild honey. And he, he just looks like a wild man. And he's out there by the Jordan saying, repent, repent. And the Pharisees and religious leaders are saying, wait, we attend synagogue. We're religious. We do good works. We're not involved in the red light district. Uh, uh, we do. And the tax collectors, the publicans, the harlots, recognize they need to be right with God. The great temptation of those in the church is to become secure in what they do and in standing on the solid rock Christ Jesus, instead of standing on that rock Christ Jesus, they begin to stand slowly but surely on the basis of what we have done. I have to be honest with you. I identify with Simon. I find it easy to become secure in good works. There's something about our fallen nature that wants to prove itself to God. I'm worthy of your love, God. I can earn your love, God. That's where Simon is right now. Jesus spoke a parable about two men who went to church. One stayed in the back. He was a sinner. He just beat his chest. He didn't even want to lift his head. The other was a good man, a man that you would vote into office if he was running for politics. I mean, he had a clear, good record. He was a Pharisee. And he stood in the front and he says, I thank you, God. I'm not like other men. I don't steal. I don't rob. I don't cheat. I tithe. And I'm not like that fellow back there. Jesus told that parable in Luke 18, 9. It says this, to some who were confident in their own righteousness, who looked down on everybody else. Hear me? Hear me clearly. It's so important that we never lose a sense of God's amazing grace. That we're never at losing that sense of awe that God saved a wretch like me. For over 40 years, John Newton served God. But in his latter days, in his 80s, he could still look back and say, Two things I remember. I'm a great sinner and I need a great Savior. Uh, that's good truth. All of us need to recognize that we're great sinners and we need a great Savior. Yes, 
the word, the law, keeps us from maybe overt sin. But in all of us, there are heaven's heights and devil's depths. Then we have a reprobate sinner. She crashes the party. She hears that Jesus is going to be there and she's going to be there. Now, in those days, a a dining party was not a private thing. It was more a public thing, especially when a well-known person was there. And so people would gather in the courtyard and around the walls just to listen into the conversation and just to observe the host and the guest and listen to what was happening. Now, can you imagine this woman? She was a lady of the night. She was a harlot. But somehow, somewhere, she heard Jesus speak. And the chains of a lifetime were loosed. She knew what it was like to struggle with sin. Maybe it was because she was abused as a child, she fell into that sinful lifestyle. Maybe it was because her husband threw her out and she had no way to make a living. Maybe it was because just sinful passions and wrong church choices led her down a path and a cycle that she could not break. But one day, she heard Jesus speak. And maybe he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and heavy laden. And those words broke the chains that bound her. And now she hears that Jesus is in town at Simon's house. And I I could picture her looking through the closet trying to get the best possible dress. Wanted something modest. And then she looks for a treasured possession, an alabaster box filled with some very precious perfume, her most prized possession. And and she's determined that she's going to anoint Jesus' head. She's going to pour it out on him. It's hard to go to Simon's house, you know. She knows the stairs that are going to greet her. She knows the people that are going to look at her. She knows those that are going to look at her and it's going to be like a knife going through her heart. But she has to see the master again. She has to see him one more time. And so she makes her way and as she approaches the house, she's rather sheepish, hoping that people wouldn't stare, wouldn't recognize, wouldn't know and notice her. And she notices Jesus reclining at the table. And in those days, a person would recline at the table. Their feet would be spread out towards the wall and he would be eating with his right hand and it would, he'd be resting on some pillows. And she goes up with the anointing oil with the perfume ready to anoint him I want you to read with me on the screen Matthew chapter 21 31 to 32 
Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders in Jerusalem when he says this. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. Now remember who he's speaking to. He's speaking to religious people, good people, moral people. But you know, there's such a thing as religious sin. There's such a thing as being a whited sepulcher. Maybe Simon never visited the red light district of his community. But maybe he had a pornographic mind. Maybe Simon was meticulous with his giving and his offerings, but he lacked grace and forgiveness for those who could not and did not. Maybe it was the most subtle of all sins that creeped into his heart, the sin that God resists. Pride. But Jesus says, For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. This woman was broken. She knew. She knew she was a sinner. Understanding our debt. Understanding what we owe. In verses 40 to 42, Jesus is going to speak. But I want to give you the context of that before we get there. In the text it says this. That the woman came and all of a sudden she came to the feet of Jesus. And I believe she intended to anoint his head, but she never did. Because she looked at his feet, and they were dark with dirt. The custom in those days was for a host to wash the feet of his guest. They would have the water there, and the lowest person in the house would do it, the servant, and they would wash and clean his feet It was muddy, it was dirty, those dusty roads. It was like a barnyard, animals walking through the street, manure all over. And so it was just a courtesy. And she looked at his feet. She recognized and sensed in that room that Jesus was the guest, but somehow there was a low grade of hostility there towards them towards him and then she saw Jesus and she remembered what he did for her have you ever been in a place in your life where you knew you needed forgiveness and you came into the church and hot Tears rolled down your cheeks as you just asked God for mercy. And He lifted the burden of sin. That's where she was. She came and she began to weep. 
And as she wept, she fell at the feet of Jesus, and the tears began to stain his dirt, dirty feet. The Gospels are grand central station for learning about Jesus, which is the single most important part of our lives as Christians. Please join us each day as Pastor Ed teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith.